Hello everyone, we are back, and today instead of doing a standard army list analysis and talk, I figured we would try something a little different. Today I want to talk about what I would call problem solving units, and their importance when considering what list you're going to build. So basically what I mean by problem solving units is these are units that you're going to include in your army that are going to go and handle very specific issues that you are coming across. Usually they're going to be the counter to something that is going to be the linchpin of an enemy's army. Uh, for example, something like flayed men with the mountain attached, or the mountain that rides, or a unit of berserkers that is led by Mage Mormont, you know, just a big unit in your enemy's army that is going to cause you issues. Um, so as the meta shapes and evolves, we'll see exactly how uh, prominent such units are. but. I know that for especially a lot of newer players, they can cause problems because the issue is that you're going to have this big, expensive, usually tanky unit or whatnot that you're not going to have an easy answer for, and it's going to require a lot of uh, just manipulation tactics and special use to actually crack through them. Uh, I will start off by saying usually the best bit of advice I can give on those units is if you just kind of ignore them uh, the best you can or tie them up with something cheap, that's probably the best advice I can give because let's say if you're playing a standard 40 point list and someone takes you know flayed men with the mountain that rides that's 13 points that's over a fourth of their army wrapped up in that single unit and it can't be everywhere if you wrap them up with even a five point unit that um, that big investment is going to have to kill almost three other units to make its points back but that's just talking about straight kill points victory points and all that and most every game mode that you're going to be playing is going to be victory point and scenario based so you need to keep that in mind as well. Just because a unit can kill something really dead does not mean that it's you know going to be the best choice for whatever game mode you're playing. So, for example, having a big 13-point unit, yeah, it's going to be good for Feast for Crows, but if you're using those 13 points to just sit on an objective in Game of Thrones, okay, sure, you're going to really tank down that objective, but there are four others across the map that people have to get to. And this is something that really needs to be considered when you're coming across units like this is that oftentimes they're going to be two to three times the cost of most every other unit that's on the table or potentially in your army. Uh, if you can just tie them up, that's really all you have to do. You don't have to kill them. And that's a mindset that I think a lot of newer players kind of get wrapped up into is having to, oh my god, how am I going to kill this thing? How am I going to take it down? You don't have to do that. You just have to distract it long enough for you to actually win the game. But the point of today's talk is actually to go over each of the factions and talk about uh, their problem-solving units, which are ones that can kind of mitigate these threats and, you know, give you a, a leg up when it comes to that. Now, of course, these are not going to be hard counters because, frankly, there's not a hard counter to anything in the game. You're really going to want to use a combination of tactics cards, the tactics boards, and the units that you bring to really get past all your problems that you have. One of the other bits of advice I can give is that oftentimes I will see new players get wrapped up into the strategy of their army and failure to actually have a malleable game plan. Basically what I mean here is if you go into the game you know, with your overall strategy and tactics, this is how my army plays, this is how it's going to win, that's good to have that but understand that you know, no plan survives contact with the enemy. You're going to need to be able to adapt to threats on the fly. Because while it's good to have an overarching strategy, too many things are going to change from turn to turn, round to round, that you're going to have to be able to account for. You know, sometimes you're going to need to spend the time to retreat. Sometimes you're going to need to spend, you know, a um, tactics board 
maneuver to make something vulnerable or make something weakened. You know, these are all things to consider, and a lot of people are going to ignore this. You know, they're going to focus on what is the most direct route to dealing with the problem that's in front of me. And sometimes that's the worst possible solution you can take. But let's go over some units here and some general strategy and tactics for each of them, for each of the factions that we have, and, you know, hopefully you'll have a better understanding of what I mean by problem solving. We're going to start with the Starks. One of the first units that uh, comes to my mind when I think of problem solving is actually the Stark Bowmen. Uh, these guys are very unassuming. Uh, you know, six points, you've got a decent amount of range attacks if they don't shift, but you're really looking to do that arrow volley special ability where if they don't shift, you're going to get plus four dice, meaning that these guys can throw upwards of ten dice. Uh, frankly, one of the largest amounts in the game. They can also do this from the safety of behind other friendly units, from behind terrain, and these guys become especially deadly when you throw a Kranigmen Warden attached with them. Uh, which is going to allow them to reroll misses against enemies that have not activated in the round. So this is throwing 10 dice, hitting on 4s with a reroll. This is one of the situations where a bulk number of attacks is actually going to be your main source of fixing a problem. Uh, especially if you can get uh, into the flanks of someone and start getting all those really nasty like modifiers there. Uh, 10 dice is nothing to sneeze at. Now, obviously there are some units that this is not going to be as effective against just throwing it directly at them, so you're going to need to spend some time maneuvering. But let's take you know, some examples here. The Mountain That Rides. Yeah, he's big, he's scary, he's got 2 plus save, but if you're pitching 10 dice at him, odds are he's going to fail a bunch of those. And, you know, odds are you can uh, weaken him up for a potential charge of another unit. Um, let's take another uh, scary unit for the Lannisters. Uh, let's take the, well, let's take Flademan. Okay, now this situation here, a bulk number of attacks is really not going to be your best bet because you're still shooting into a 2-plus defense unit here. You're, uh, you're really hoping to break them via panic effects. So this is not, you know, the best counter to that. But this is still throwing down 10 dice. It's still going to soften guys up. Um, the Warden specifically is going to help here. Now, the issue is that you're having a big 7-point unit when this happens. And that's something to take in consideration when you're looking at your problem solvers, is you never want to make them overly expensive, because then they're just kind of becoming another big unit that's going to slam into another big unit, and it's going to be like a big monster bash. So usually if you're facing a problem that is, you know, oh my god, they've got a big 13-point flayed man unit. Okay, spending 7 points to mitigate that is acceptable to me. But you know, any more than that, and you're going to have some, some problems. Really, I like to keep these problem-solving units cheap and have them have a specific function to, you know, what they get rid of. Probably the best example in Starks I can give of a problem-solve unit is the House Umber Great Axes. Um, because these guys here have a way of dealing with most any threat. The problem is their speed. So you're going to need to, you know, use some tactics board manipulation to get these guys into position or lock the uh, unit that you really need to take down with hopefully another cheaper unit, but these guys here can fix a lot of problems. They have Executioner's Fury, which straight up does not allow uh, defense saves, so they're Mountain Killers, they're Flayed Man Killers, they're uh, House Tully Sworn Shields with Brendan Tully Killers, which is actually one of the, uh, the kind of problem units if you're, facing, if you're facing Starks. That unit is really hard to get rid of. These guys fix that. Um, their other attack is Mighty Cleave, which is al allows you to kind of carve through lightly armored guys. Very seldomly are you going to find an enemy unit that is lightly armored that is a problem, but they do exist. For example, in the mirror match, if you're facing against a unit of Umber Berserkers led by Mage Mormont, 
okay, that's a big 10-point unit that is going to just pass every morale test, deal you damage. Oh, you've dealt them damage, now they're dealing you more damage. You really need to kill those guys as quickly and efficiently as you can, and you can't rely on panic to do it. So in this case, you know, Mighty Cleave is a really good way of getting through that because you're going to, you know, really be targeting their 5 plus defense, which is nothing special, and you're going to hopefully be cutting through them. Now, of course, you know, you're not going to do a one-for-one -one trade-off here because they do have a great panic test, but that's the point, is that very seldomly are you ever going to just wipe out a unit entirely. You're going to have to find the best combination of strategies to take them down. And that's why, again, I fall back to the whole just tie them up approach. Because if your opponent has a 10-point unit, regardless of what it is, and you tied up with a 5-point unit, then you're the advantage there. Even if you have to, you know, spend some resources to heal your unit back up, as long as you can keep them engaged, then you are coming up on points of your opponent. But as I said, the Umber Great Axes are really good at fitting this role as well. Um, just in kind of different ways. The Stark Bowman is going to give you uh, more area control, uh, whereas the Umber Berserkers, uh, sorry, the Umber Great Axes are going to be just more of a threat mitigation. So, the Berserkers, uh, sorry, I keep saying Berserkers, sorry guys. The Great Axes can get up there and kill something dead. The Bowmen are just going to kind of soften them up, make them a better target for the other units, while still maintaining safety in the back, so you're not putting them at risk like you would with Great Axes. Uh, continuing through the look at Starks, um, as I just mentioned, uh, House Umber Berserkers with Mage Mormont is a very nasty unit that can deal with a lot of problems via their combination of Sundering, um, passing basically any morale test automatically on a 2+, plus, uh, factoring in Mage, and then dealing damage on top of that. The only issue is that they are clocking in at 10 points doing so. So I really can't consider them a optimal use of problem solving. But they do fall in the category of just also making stuff dead, so I'm going to give them a pass on that. Umber Berserkers with Mage Mormont is another one of those units that, yeah, they can they can deal with most anything. Uh, the problem is again there are there are pretty easy counters to them if you know what you're doing. Um, anything hitting them from the flanks, like Outriders or Knights or anything that can deal just a substantial amount of hits, um, and out you know maneuver them. So cavalry is going to give them some problems. Now granted, they're going to hit really hard on the return swing, but if they only get one return swing in before they're dead, that's a, that's a lot of waste for a 10-point unit, so something to consider. Um, going on the opposite end of the spectrum of the Starks, another problem-solving unit you actually have would be the House Tully Sworn Shields. And these fall into that range, the opposite reason that the Great Axes do for me, because the, the Sworn Shields, at their base cost of 7, can go and tie a unit up for basically the entire game. Uh, with their combination of a 3 plus defense and shield wall, and then, you know, hey, you know, you can just uh, heal them up a bit. If you stick Brendan Tully in them, uh, they're going to become even a little bit better, or Mage Mormont, they're both good options. But then you're creeping up on those points, and we've talked about that already. Just a vanilla unit of House Tully Sworn Shields. They can go and tie up a unit, and usually, uh, unless that unit's going to get some reinforcements from hitting them from the flank or something, they're going to get stuck there. Um, Flademen getting stuck in combat with Tully Sworn Shields. Okay, you're up three points there. Um, the Knights of Casterly Rock. Those guys, you know, heavy cavalry in general want to be charging most of the time, and if they get stuck in prolonged combat, it's going to suck for them. The, uh, with specifically the House Tully Sworn Shields versus Knights of Casterly Rock, the Knights are pitching out six dice, hitting on threes, but the Tullys are ignoring D3 of those every time they come in. 
and they don't really care about Lannister supremacy. Yeah, they'll take some wounds from it most likely, but not enough to actually cause any major losses. And combined with that three plus defense and you know a couple of uses of the wealth zone of the tactics board, and you're up on points again. So there you go. So let's um take a moment now and switch over to the Lannister side of things and see what their problem solving units can be. Uh, the absolute best example I can give of a Lannister problem solving unit is going to be the Pyromancers. Yeah, these guys aren't out yet, but you guys have already seen them, so we're going to talk about them. Uh, Pyromancers are your answer to anything that is uh, high armor, and man are they a nasty answer. These guys are the quintessential glass cannon, but none of their attacks allow defense saves. So if you're facing a mirror match against the Mountain, dead. Against Lannister Guards, dead. Against Tully Sworn Shields, yeah, dead. Uh, these guys here are a really, really good problem-solving unit. The only issue is that you got to protect them because they have abysmal defense stats at a six-plus defense and a five-plus, sorry, seven-plus uh, morale, um, and they're going to drop like flies. And if they get stuck in melee, yeah, they're still going to be able to kill stuff. But then they also run the risk of themselves taking damage because every time you miss with the attack by rolling a one, you also suffer a wound in addition to the attacker, or sorry, the your, your defender. So these guys, vanilla at seven points, are a really good just threat mitigation thing. Uh, frankly, with them as well, if you want to invest a little bit of points, I like putting an assault veteran in with them, funny enough, because if they start the turn engaged, they're gonna get plus two dice and plus one to hit. So that means you're going to be hitting on twos, rolling either eight, seven, or five dice, none of those allowing defense saves. And especially in melee there, uh, that means that anything they roll is going to cause damage to the enemy, because they're going to hit on two plus, and if they roll a one, yeah, they suffer a wound, but they still also deal a wound to the, uh, to the defender as well. So whatever amount of dice you're throwing, that's how many wounds you're doing. So if you start to turn engaged at full ranks, you're straight up killing eight guys. And that's for an eight-point investment. You know, that's pretty reasonable. Uh, by the way, those eight wounds are before they make their panic test, which is also vicious. So a minus two to that. Uh, these guys will straight up kill the mountain. They'll straight up kill Tully's sworn shields. Um, they'll kill other Lannister guards. And um, I'm not going to talk too much about the Night's Watch because we still haven't officially spoiled a lot of that, but they can deal with some of the tankier units in the Night's Watch, which is to say most of them, like the Veterans of the Watch, for example, if they're 3-plus defense um, and counterattack. Those are guys you really don't want to really be attacking in general, but you're going to have to deal with them at some point. So, you know, this is a threat mitigation for them right there as well. Uh, looking at other units that you have, uh, Crossbowmen are another one that is really good here. Just because you, the simple fact that you have a ranged attack with Sundering and potentially the ability to hit someone on the flank, causing another further minus one. And really, there's not a whole hell of a lot of units in the game that can suffer a minus two to defense and come out of K there. The crossbowmen also get another pass because they're fairly cheap at six points, and they don't start losing dice until they get down to the last rank. So if your opponent's going to target them with, you know, effects like the crown zone to start causing panic tests, which they're pretty abysmal at, it's going to take a while to kind of chew through those guys and actually cause that to uh, happen. Um... Another semi option you can look at when you are looking at Lannisters is actually uh, Halberdiers. These guys are just more versatile than they are a problem solving unit, but with the right series of attachments, they can be nasty because, like, for example, you take Jamie uh, Lannister, the Young Lion. These guys are going to be throwing 9, 7, 7 dice with Sundering and a 4 plus to hit. The only thing really holding them back there is the 4 plus, but. 
you know, that bulk number of dice with Sundering can fix a lot of problems. Now again, you're jumping these guys up to 8 points by doing that, but, you know, you use those 8 points smart, and, you know, tie, they can both tie up and eventually kill a unit. These guys are the ultimate uh, unit that's going to win attrition uh, when you have that specific setup. An Assault Veteran's not, uh, not bad at them either, but, you know, they do have that really, really hard drop-off when they hit a uh, one rank. Jamie really mitigates that. Another problem-solving unit for the Lancers is actually Gregor Clegane, the mountain that rides, the uh, solo, uh, the solo um, mount version. He's just nasty because for four points you can go and tie something up and he can make certain units dead. Um, this is kind of true of most cavalry, but a lot of people are going to have problems dealing with his 2-plus defense and his 3-plus um, morale stat. Uh, as I mentioned previously, everything I've talked about so far is a way to kind of get around that as well. Um, and as you know, time goes on, there's going to be even more options there. For example, uh, Night's Watch Scorpion Weapon Crews just straight up kill him, like he just dies. But that's a factor of you know threat mitigation and problem solving right there. The thing about him is that a big mistake is, and this is actually on both sides of the table, the attacker will often think he's unkillable, but there's also just a strong chance that the defender will think he's unkillable as well. Because, yeah, he's a giant brick wall. If you keep slamming your head against a giant brick wall, the wall's going to win and you're going to end up getting killed. But meanwhile, on the controlling side, if you think he's unkillable and you're up against a smart opponent that actually can, you know, use the best means of countering him, you know, whether that be playing tactics cards, whether that's being having a specific unit, or, you know, just kind of tying him around the table, then, you know, he's, it's going to be hard for him to, you know, uh, be effective. He'll probably make his points back. There's no doubt about that. But there's also a strong chance that he can just get killed before he actually does anything. Uh, Gregor is a good supplemental unit to scare the opponent, but very seldom should you ever rely on him to really hold anything on his own. Like, I would never trust an entire flank just with him. He's great when you team him up with pretty much anything else. Uh, actually, him and some crossbowmen are really fun because he can go and charge into the unit, deal a bunch of damage. Crossbowmen can charge into, uh, sorry, shoot into combat and not really have to worry about him flaking out because, yeah, he'll be making a test of 3+. plus. Whoopee. Um, that brings us to the neutral faction and talk about their problem-solving capabilities. Well, unfortunately, right now, they just don't have a lot because of the nature of uh, the limitations of the faction. If I had to say anything, the way the neutrals are going to solve problems is actually via the use of their tactics deck. Their deck is a jack-of-all-trades deck that just has a lot of solutions in there, and I think that's where the, most of your answers for these type of units is going to come from. And it's going to be via clever use of condition tokens. Uh, and granted, all factions can really make use of this, but the neutrals specifically can really make use of clever use of uh, condition tokens. Specifically weakened. I think that that one's just really underutilized by a lot of the player base, because the other ones are just more flashy. Everyone likes dealing damage, but preventative measures are never really that uh, critical in a lot of people's minds, but they should be. Because, let's say for example, you have the mountain that rides. He's coming up and he's going to make all your guys dead. Well, if he's weakened, he's only hitting on a 3-plus and rolling 4 dice. And plus, you know, you're going to be able to make him re-rolling those 6s, and you can really cut down the damage he's going to deal. Because 4 dice at a 3-plus, you know, frankly, yeah, he's going to hit 3 of those 4 times, but if you weaken him, those odds are going to drop down to 50% or lower. And that's not super impressive for a 4-point unit, uh, because, you know, that's what you're comparing against. 
Um, you take another unit like Umber Berserkers, okay, making them weakened. Yes, they're hitting on a 3+. plus. If they charge you, then it's going to be fairly nasty, but anything you can do to mitigate that. Uh, the neutral guys also have a number of uh, cards that can straight up cancel enemy abilities, and that's also another way that they have preventative measures. But again, it's a little more, I guess, implied, because if you're playing neutrals, you need to understand your tactics deck. But you also need to understand that that's really where the majority of your problem-solving capabilities are going to come from. Your units are great, but right now, since they're limited to House Bolton, they're kind of their whole shtick is just we're going to deal you a bunch of you know vicious attacks and play with your morale stat. If your opponent's you know got a good morale stat, then you're going to have to find other ways around that, which you have options to. Because like for example, Cutthroats can um, put down uh, vulnerable, and well. You have Flademan. You have Flademan. <laughs> but again, uh, back to talking about the Cutthroats, it's a good example. I just listed the solution that they have is vulnerable tokens, okay? Usually if there's a problem that you're trying to get through, something on the tactics board is going to help you. And frankly, that tactics zone where you can draw some additional tactics cards, and actually in this case, more importantly, place a condition token onto an enemy unit, so many people underutilize that. And frankly, that is the one zone that I've seen in the hands of expert players, which mainly is our playtesters, um, utilizing the best, that really will swing games, all right? Uh, being able to put down a clutch panic token, a vulnerable token, or a weakened token, this is really the essence of what I mean by problem solving, okay? If you're up against flayed men, hit them really hard of something that causes sundering, hit them from the flank, but before you do any of that, make sure they're vulnerable, okay? Even if you're hitting them just from the flank and it's a 3-plus save on their part, a 3-plus save that they have to reroll is going to cause a lot of damage. And then factor in the fact that they're going to then make a panic test, needing a 7 or better, you're going to be able to hurt that unit. And that's a 10-point unit that you're trying to take down, okay? Um, so that's really another bit of solid advice, and frankly, if I didn't do all these in one shot... I would have actually put that part at the very beginning of this uh, podcast here, is really make use of those condition tokens, okay? Because I, the more I sit here and think about it, the more that really is the factor to me of that and maneuvering around the board are the two hallmarks of seeing a novice player and a really experienced player, okay? I have uh, seen some of our players that have really done some unexpected moves just via clever use of condition tokens when honestly I thought that they had lost the game and all of a sudden you know they'll go oh I'm gonna make this guy vulnerable not only is that gonna make that guy you know that unit a, a easier target it's gonna put pressure on your opponent because they know that okay my guy is actually vulnerable now he can get taken out whereas before you know they might have you know been overly cocky uh, this is the same of any of the conditions. Frankly, there's been actually just one time earlier today where I was um, uh, playtesting some stuff, which I'm not going to tell you guys about. Don't do spoilers. But my opponent threw down a weekend token, and I was not expecting that in the slightest, and it made me realize that it completely negated a charge that I wanted to make. Because the way the order of operations works is that when you charge into a, when you charge a unit, uh, the attacker's effects are going to resolve before the defender's. So I was planning on dealing a ton of damage and everything, and, you know, getting my re-rolls, I had a 3-plus to hit, and I was planning on just dealing a ton of damage. The problem is, now I'm weakened, which means that after I get all my cool re-rolls from charge and everything, my opponent can just make me re-roll any of them uh, after that fact. 
So it doesn't matter if I hit, you know, eight, ten times, my opponent's going to make me re-roll them, and now my, statistically, my damage is going to drop significantly. And that's if my unit already, you know, has a decent to hit and is rolling a high number of dice. In this specific situation here, it was a unit that I was banking on some other effects happening, so I was only rolling six dice hitting on fours, and I really needed every one of those hits to connect for part of my, you know, grand strategy that I had. But after everything was said and done, I managed to get two hits. Two hits, that's it. And then he makes his defense saves and passes both of them because, again, only two hits. Uh, all because of that weekend token. And we actually rolled it out afterwards to see what would happen, okay? So I would have hit five times, he would have failed three of his saves, which would have actually destroyed the rank in the unit, and that's what I needed to have happen um, to trigger some other effects that were going to come into play. I'm not going to get into the full thing, but just that one move completely negated my strategy here. And, you know, that's just something that you've got to factor in, okay? Conditions are very powerful, and they're probably one of the best problem-solving things that you have if you employ them cleverly. Uh, this wraps back into the neutrals because, again, they have a lot of play with counters and things like that. Uh, specifically, sorry, when I say counters, I mean condition tokens. And that's going to be one of their strongest aspects. So if you're wanting to play neutrals, um, that's something you're going to need to master is clever use of condition tokens. But alright guys, that's um, about what I wanted to cover today and just hopefully give you guys some insight onto you know, some general strategies and tactics here when it comes to the game. I know it's in its infancy, a lot of you are just getting your games now, and you know, strategy and tactics is something that is going to develop in the meta and the player base as the game spreads and as people get more experienced. But I know that early on, you know, these big scary units can really be a problem for a lot of newer players. Um, and how to deal with them. So that was the whole point of recording this little podcast here. So two pieces of advice just to sum everything up, too long didn't read. One, you don't have to kill them, you just gotta tie them up and then focus on the objectives. And two, make use of condition tokens, because they're really gonna help you. Alright guys, that's gonna wrap it up, and we will chat with you again next time. Take care.